0: This is Swampside Chats. A podcast where, every week, communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, we sit down to discuss Jay Posada's seminal Trotskyite text, Flying Saucers The Process of Matter and Energy science, the revolutionary and working class struggle, and the socialist future of mankind. I'm Jake, I'm with Communist League Tampa, and joining me tonight is Grant.
1: Hey, Grant from Red
0: Party. Uh,
2: Also, Donald. Hey, it's Donald from the Communist League of Tampa, fighting off a sinus infection. Lexi, this is Lexi practicing the dianetical
3: synthesis, taking us to a higher level.
0: And Patrick, hello. Okay, so I'm talking about a piece by Jay Posadas that has a f- appropriately lengthy uh, Trotskyite title. Uh, the title is "Flying Saucers." the Process of Matter and Energy, Science, The Revolutionary Working-Class Struggle, and The Socialist Future of Mankind. It was written uh, the 26th of June, 1968. Um, I'm gonna start uh, by kind of just asking everybody, um, who here was into aliens, or or at least was maybe into aliens as a kid? Because I know I was. Oh Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I was big into aliens. I was obsessed beyond belief.
0: Now I, was was ever? Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, I was just gonna
4: chime in. Yeah, I, I was also into aliens when I was a kid.
2: I would um go to the library and check out every book I could by Whitley Schreiber or um. Oh, communion. You read communion? Yeah, I read communion. Oh, I was same good.
3: though. Same though. That that was. When when I was uh, when Posadas is like, oh, aliens don't inspire fear, I was like, I oh, don't know, yo. Have you read Communion? Yeah, like, exactly. I, realized, I realized Communion came later, though, right?
2: Yeah. But, um, yeah, I read, um, I was super into the Roswell conspiracy stuff. Um, there was actually one case I was obsessed with that no one had really explained, where um, someone had witnessed an alien abduction in New York City, I think. Like, they had actually seen the, the UFO take someone up, and it was, like, a train. Two different people had claimed to have seen it, and it really spooked me out, who were trained observers. And so I kind of had this um weird, um. I was actually very scared of aliens when I was younger, and I kind of wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't real. But the more I read about it, the more I convinced myself that they were, like, you know, real, and that they were, like, on our planet. And um, I always wanted to hang out.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, I was the opposite. Like, I wanted them to be real. And I wanted to see one so badly, you know? Like, I <laughs> I, 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 just wanted to be... I don't know if it was... Part of it was, like, a sad... Like, I wanted to be able to say that I saw aliens. But also wanted there to actually, like, be aliens. I
2: mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie. If NASA know,
1: announced right now that they found microscopic life on another planet, I might tear up.
2: Not for Yeah, reasons. I mean, my thing was, like, when I was really young, I had... Well, it was probably a hallucinatory experience where I actually thought I was abducted by aliens and it was fucking scary. So
1: Well actually I I I had constant nightmares about believer. aliens.
2: Every night it was like the same nightmare of aliens like coming after me and like attacking me. And it was always the Grays. And so I
3: The Grays became obsessed totally with the subject.
2: True. But like I had this I don't know, I, I I went from like wanting to prove it to not be real to like wanting to believe but still being scared. It was and eventually yeah. I just, you know started caring about other things like drugs and rock and roll and yeah
0: i watched whatever. like a lot of
2: a lot but of like now
1: we keep these interests together well,
0: i was gonna say i watched like a lot of um when i was a kid i would watch a lot of like those kind of back when i guess the history channel and all that was still or the learning channel and all those still had some kind of pretense towards being like remotely educational but they had like a lot of alien stuff and so like i'm a little kid i'm watching this and somehow i convinced myself that like Studying aliens was a real job. Ads come on there who are like UFOologists.
1: Just made me pro Carthage about Rome. That's all I got.
4: Yeah, I got a weird obsession with Nazis from the History Channel. Like, it was in that period when it was transitioning from actual sort of history, World War II, Hitler Channel, whatever, to aliens and weird conspiracy stuff and like end of the world shit.
3: Yeah. So well I guess I guess alien obsession is a little more innocuous than a Nazi obsession, to be fair.
4: Wow. Yeah, but it it sort of blends into each other because there's like the whole occult aspect with the Nazis. And there's also yeah, like definitely
1: consp- a smooth gradual transition from one wing nut thing to the other with the history channel. <laughs>
4: oh yeah,
0: yeah. So that dialectal like like, synthesis Arctic came base. in the form of Synthesis came in the form of ancient aliens where they were, like fused oh, history yeah, and aliens. Right. That
3: is very, it's the dialectical synthesis of the past and the future.
4: Yeah, yeah. the well, chariot um, of the gods. Well, it's sort funny, it's funny
3: you should say that. Um, my, my experience with aliens growing up is similar to Donald, except with the added weirdness that I think I routed all my like trans feels into aliens because they're other, right? They're and I'm like non binary, right? And so it has this like logic of like something invasive, something that actually doesn't exist in the culture kind of being present. And so I had this really identified with the fear of the aliens, fear of being abducted, but also the kind of like, God, please get me out of here. Like, you know, those like 80s goth movies where some like vampire like abducts the teenage girl, but it's like super cool and it's like way better or like Beetlejuice or something. Kind of like that with, except with aliens. Like I always had a futurist vibe. To that kind of yeah, thing
2: so.
1: when um and you you mentioned uh that and i i think two to times i've heard people talk about identifying with either the alien characters in or with data from star trek and that I was fucking uh, love data that was my introduction you know especially people with uh gender nonconformity or something because of that sense of uh learning to be a person maybe that comes with that with his character arc, but that was my introduction to space
3: Trotskyism was Gene Roddenberry. (laughs) Joe, Gene Roddenberry. I mean, that's like, ah, I think I've said it before. Star Trek is like the best myth that bourgeois culture has produced like period. Like it's great. Well,
0: and yeah. And there, you know, there's been because the origin story of the Star Trek world of the Federation is in many ways kind of mirrors a lot of what Posada's theorized. There's been like this ongoing like rumor that like Gene Roddenberry like subscribed to a Posada's newsletter. But from what I could find, that's never been substantiated. Yeah. Um, But there is an article um, about sort of Trotskyists and leftists in like the 1950s arts communities um, and how, you know, it's possibly could have had kind of contact with that scene to a certain extent um because maybe I should start talking about uh, jay Posadas a little bit uh and his background because you know he wasn't contrary to what you might think given what you've heard about his theories his interest in dolphins nuclear war aliens that he was actually a pretty relatively mainstream figure in the trotskyist movement um he he was the head of the, the international right the latin american bureau of the fourth international Excuse so me, right? he had influence. Yeah, he had influence over uh, Cuban workers, Bolivian, Brazil. Um, he was based out of Argentina, um, but yeah, he was he was big. And when uh, the Fourth International split in 1953, uh, he fought, sided with Michael Pablo and the International Secretary of the Fourth International. Um, and then eventually there was like, some quarreling in there because they differed over the issue of nuclear war. Uh, Posadas and his people basically took the stance that. Uh, there would essentially be a third world war there would be nukes and when the dust settled ultimately that would be the end of capitalism um and they kind of took maybe a a rosier view about a post-apocalyptic wasteland than you might expect so that's Um, an earlier
2: posadist tendency
3: because i didn't see that reflected in the text we read for today
2: yeah right there's no talk about nuclear war in this text but
0: talk about banning nuclear weapons Right, well, yeah, and well, and the way that they often defend themselves on the nuclear weapons issue is that because I've seen I've been looking through some of their writings, and they they claim like we don't advocate for nuclear war, we say it's just gonna happen, but when it does, you know, the workers movement needs to press on anyway essentially um,
1: and of course, for well, those more who
0: don't than that. Know, we're also talking about aliens
1: for a reason as well, uh, right, but it isn't necessarily uh, that they thought the revolutionary strategy was to send out a signal,
3: but that (laughs) wait for
1: aliens. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not too dissimilar from waiting for the mass strike or waiting for the coming insurrection or anything, but um, yeah, that's an interesting
3: interesting insight. We need to develop that like a lot later, but let's just get the basics down.
1: Yeah. But, but basically they thought let's have, uh, if there were aliens out there, we should make an appeal to them as sort of liberators of the
0: proletariat. Yeah. So maybe let's, um, let's get into the text a little bit. Um, Yeah. Ends uh, with the words life can exist on other planets in other solar systems, in other galaxies and universes. The passage of matter from the inorganic to the organic state could take place in a different manner to how it does on earth, such that energy could be used in a more effective manner. Then kind of goes on to talk about sort of the uni- utilization of energy, um, some kind of crank physics, and t- just basically speculating on the different forms that life can take and how uh, the force of energy of the universe can be utilized. Later on, he goes, um, the forms and combinations of matter are infinite. There are forces within it that we do not utilize. We must discover the power of what is possible to do. The force that allows us to raise our arms is called kinetic energy. Why is this energy? what is it that impels the activity of the cells there is no outside force it is an internal movement what is this force the force that impels movement is a source of energy which must have a primary form in development even before it lifts this the arm because there already exists the capacity that allows us to conceive in our spirits the need to raise our arms he goes on with different things like that talking about how the energy of youth of earthquakes could be utilized to produce uh, power Um, wow i have a really different
3: translation um the, the one that I have has the end of that quote being it is a source of energy that has developed with anteriority because what permits us to conceive that the arm must be raised already exists beforehand in the mind.
0: Mm. <laughs> wow. I like your translation a little better. I think I'm getting mine yeah. off, to, off of uh, Marxist.org. So I don't know who did that one there, but
3: I got this from, I think like a Posadist, like, um, like, website. Like, they had a PDF.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
3: They did their own original translation, apparently. Yeah, Yeah, he he also
0: speculates...
1: On the the Facebook page, too, when we post this.
0: He also speculates on the nature of class struggle on other planets. Um, The class struggle does not have to exist. On Earth, on the contrary, the process of history is played out like this. There's no reason why the same should be true of other planets. Um, He then goes on to... I take issue. Okay, how so?
1: I've I've always thought that the material conditions for life could vary to some extent across the universe, but at least for the part of it that we understand, we have a general sense of the elements and pre-configurations that one would probably end up with. And I definitely don't want to give a sort of overly teleological view of history, but the idea of no class society arising, unless there were extremely different uh, material conditions or even biological sort of drives on the part of uh, the aliens, I
3: guess. Well, let's be honest. We would have to concede that life would be vastly different than it is on Earth.
1: Yeah, I can concede that, but I, I, I do think that there we I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if and I love imagining all of the differences that could happen and I, I think that there are probably some major differences but I wouldn't be surprised if there were major similarities as well at least
3: in the way well, that yeah. political economy
1: functions
3: well it, it, if there were I don't know like it, it's a it's possible for me to imagine and I think the slippage between it's possible for me to imagine and you guys, this is totally existing and let's build communism on it is what's constantly being flipped back and forth between the texts. But I really mean this as, you know, it's possible to imagine, <laughs> like it's possible but, to imagine that there, that there are just beings that are structured in simply a more collectivist way that in a deep human nature sense or a deep, you know, a uh, species being sense that they're just structured a little more like bees and that they just evolve that way for, just you know ungodly reasons
1: yeah i think that i think that that is there are those sort of biological differences that could get to the core of of sort of our drives and things uh but if there's any sort of individualistic kind of species i I have to imagine that there would be in the general with exceptions some i mean the materialist theory of history applies you know
0: Yeah, but, you know, what the materials are affects what the history is. You know, I mean, it's one of the difficult things about trying to have, like, a biological determinist sort of view of or insight into human social relations throughout history and prehistory is that there's still a lot that we don't understand overall uh, on both ends of it. So, you know, trying to figure out what set of configurations produced what outcomes is uh, probably exponentially complicated and would probably take, like, a higher intelligence like aliens
2: or something to, like, figure out. Maybe we what should thinking,
0: wait for, we should wait for the aliens to figure it out
3: for us, yeah,
2: so what I'm thinking is maybe another planet of the species could have been able to develop the productive forces without having to leave primitive communism behind, and so right. the whole um series of a class society was not necessary to well, achieve well, communism because they never yeah, we, had the I mean, primitive communism I, I,
1: we I should also
4: find it all, I mean, I kind of find it strange that. That people would just assume that they would even be vaguely like us at all. Like, they could be like almost godlike in nature. Like, uh, they could, I suppose, and could I definitely,
1: more... I definitely agree with that sentiment. I and that has been, I guess, how I've conceived of it for the majority of my life. But I do want to sort of overcorrect, and and say that when you look at the, I think there are a. a Conditions for life at least as we know it and there's not People are a bit wary almost too much in my mind of Using our model as a reference point because I if we're going to concede aliens We should probably concede
3: many 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 aliens out there. Well, we're going to Definitely, but let's I think there's a stronger objection To that kind of teleology beyond like xenobiological speculation, it's it's the uh, the the Iroquois and the um the the very model of like what an advanced like you know agrarian communist society would look like um, that Marx and Engels were inspired by. Uh, They they apparently were subsisting at like a higher level than in terms of productive forces than a lot of like like uh, feudal relationships in Europe. and so that that doesn't like quite fit into the classical um, historical materialist theory of communism. They also had like a kind of expansionist, invasive and at times genocidal kind of communist society. And so that doesn't quite fit into how we uh, Marxist, you know, uh, classical historical materialist Marxists. Of course. Would, yeah, I guess. I guess. Tend, it's, tend it, to if, thing. You, you know if, what I'm trying to say here.
1: Yes, I, I think that. What I'm mostly getting at is there's a there's a tendency to view it as almost like it's going to be uninterpretable, and that's what I want to push back against more than anything. I mean, I, I'm definitely glad to concede there's like chances of huge differentials, but i I have to imagine that that we'll be able to parse through it in a sense. You know more than maybe some predict we would be able to.
0: Returning to the text, I guess the second section The second section is called uh, The Dialectical Conception of History. This is where it gets into the UFOs. Uh, it starts out, all the news of UFOs around the various parts of the world coincide. There are many coincidences, not all of which are exaggerations. We believe and accept that these beings exist. Um, and as the second paragraph begins, starting from the fact of the existence of extraterrestrial beings, we can accept that UFOs also exist. We need to wait for further proof. It's possible that they have appeared, although it is also possible that there has been much fantasizing, exaggeration, or mystical deductions on the part of those who have seen them. Um, But the point that he mainly gets to is that ultimately there isn't proper investigation into UFOs because if they were found, it would ultimately be against the interests of the capitalist class because, you know, the aliens would have productive capacity far beyond what the capitalists had. And so would either be the capitalists either try to make war against them or you know would try to cover up their existence so that you know it's sort of like you know those conspiracies about the dude who invented the carburetor that makes your car run on water and you ended up dead in a ditch because if you know if everyone a car that ran on water you would need to oil and it, it's it's very much a similar uh, mindset but coming at it from a you know Trotskyist truss- perspective capitalist class
1: would want to suppress knowledge
0: of aliens
2: well he also says the Soviet bureaucracy would want to suppress knowledge of aliens. Well, how would and
3: Posada explain Podesta, then? That's what I was going to say, was uh, John Podesta.
1: Go on. Well, particularly, you know, I, I, was, I was out there with, with everybody saying that, substantively, you know, there's, there are differences, but that we need to remember that Clinton and Trump are both part of the ruling class, all of that, during the, during the election. But on reflection, I've now realized that if we had gotten Clinton into the White House, we would have also gotten her campaign manager and likely to be chief of staff, John Podesta, who is obsessed with aliens, into the White House. And by now, I mean, it's it's June. We would definitely know. If there were, if the government had anything on aliens, John Podesta was saying, "I'm going to go in there and I'm going to find out as soon as I can." See,
0: I so I actually believe that's why she lost more than I believe, like the Russian interference narrative. <laughs> okay, so alien that's interference. Is no, it no, like, no, it was it, it was the, the people who wanted like, to fuck this.
3: that, it was people, it was people
0: who wanted us. to like suppress the aliens. It's just like they killed they killed Gaddafi because he was going to put Africa on the gold standard and get the white man off their back, so they had to have him killed. Same thing. Hillary Clinton couldn't have Podesta be in the White House uh, doing anything because if they would revealed what the aliens were, then mm. you know the man wouldn't be in power anymore. So, shit.
3: Hillary Clinton. I buy it.
0: There are so Hillary Clinton, Clinton was, was the most repugnant
3: class like to, to it. obscure aliens. That's Bill
1: flirted with alien belief as well, not as yeah. much as Podesta. I mean, it, he's known for it. There. He once gave a speech that opened to the X Files theme, but with with Clinton, Bill Clinton, even there's rumors that he tried to look into it and got stonewalled.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see, I don't think the thing with Trump. I don't think he would even think to look into it, because if anyone did tell him about the aliens, like he would, he would let it slip at some point. You know? Yeah. You can't. Also, Dennis Kucinich is into it. I, I think
3: wasn't he asked about this? Like I I think I think I think he was asked about it, and he said that was one of the first things that he did, (laughs) because who wouldn't? I mean, like.
2: So basically, we found one good reason to vote Democrat, and that's they might reveal the truth about aliens.
0: Yeah, just to get all of like, and again, you know, this is why I want to see like my man Jesse Ventura like reelected into office like at a higher level, because you know that all that shit's coming out. Kennedy's coming out. uh, Aliens are coming out. All of this coming out, so abortion and, he, uh, and trans
3: bathroom shit, and you know that's not,
4: not doing it for
3: you. But, but alien truth. That's yeah. That's why Swampside does a U-turn. And we're
4: going to learn that the Earth is
0: flat and hollow. Oh God. He, hey, hey, he, he doesn't. He doesn't buy into that. Give the man a little credit. But no, I mean, I think I think if they uh, if there were aliens, well, actually, part of this um, brings me to. You know, part of why I wanted to discuss this, too, is I've been having a lot of thought of experiments about kind of like maybe the modern version of, like, aliens, like the whole, like, singularity people and, like, you know, the transhumanism uh, shit. What's oh, yeah. the idea of the higher intelligence might not actually come from, you know, other planets. It'll actually be developed here accidentally through, you know, high development of, like, computers and so on. Um and, I mean, that seems to me, I mean, I'm not an engineer or whatever, but it seems somewhat feasible, the idea that, you, you know, you could develop, like, AI that had, like, runaway power and, you know, became... And this is a science science fiction trope, but it's certainly possible, it seems to me. And so, I, I always wondered, like, if, if something like that did happen if we did accidentally develop, like, an intelligence that somehow, like, superseded human intelligence, like, what would what would the break be for that in the class struggle? And it's very similar to this question about aliens.
3: Not... Aliens would have more autonomy than human machines, probably. Like, right? I, I, I have a sense. I just have a maybe a a feeling that there's no Deus Ex Machina coming, considering that Deus Ex Machina is like a human shorthand for a lazy plot device where, out of from you know from something where you wouldn't expect it at all, you just get salvation. Like, I mean, it's a break in normal rules of cause and effect, and we haven't seen those ever. So, a god from the machine, Deus ex machina.
0: Well, I mean, but the thing is, I, like, I guess in my thought experiment, I always thought, like, what would probably happen, like, as a result of automate, it would basically be uh Ludditeism on steroids, where it's like you know, you have to side with the humans over the machines or whatever, and it'd be the same thing with aliens, right? And he actually talks about this earlier on in, in like this section where he talks about uh. General MacArthur, who he refers to as that Yankee murderer, said with regard to the disappearance of a plane that struck a strange object, perhaps we, together with the Soviets, will have to make war against an enemy arriving from outside Earth, you know. And so, you know, this actually has kind of a galactic internationalist perspective where it's like, no, like, you know, we don't need to, like, ally ourselves with the ruling class in, like, a planetary netlib against, like, the, you know, international alien. The worker
1: has no planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that uh, a worker on Earth and a worker on Mars have more common interest than the ruling class of Earth and the ruling class of Mars.
3: That is some hardcore internationalism. That's intergalacticism.
2: (laughs) Kind of reminds me of that Arthur C. Clarke novel, Childhood's End, actually, where alien ships come to Earth and um, I'm trying to remember how the plot goes completely, but they end up to... um, they end up looking like the religious interpretation of Satan, but it turns out that they've actually, like, were, were, they came to Earth to, like, raise humanity up to a new level rather than destroy them. And that's kind of a, a similar kind of plot device to what Posadas is lo- looking at, I guess.
1: In doing a little bit of science fiction writing myself, I've always wondered about the idea of, say, you do get sort of your Posadaist aliens in the sense that. They're at very least some form of collectivist or what have you. If you are a communist government or a communist collective, whatever you want to call it, and you arrive at a planet that is under the rule of capitalism, I mean, the the take take me to your leader doesn't really make sense there. Who do you sort of make contact with and things
0: like that? it sort of is an interesting question, right? I mean, it's sort of like, uh, the, I think the left communist answer would be similar to, you know, like the Europe in the early 20th century, like take the red army into Europe and, you know, try to, uh, try to basically liberate the proletariat, you know, directly that way, or, you know, uh, try to make contact with the real, you know, institutions or the real, uh, maybe you could say, legitimate forces in society. Or, you know, you could go the Star Trek four route and just talk to the whales or whatever.
2: So what is the deal with J. Posadas and dolphins? Because in this reading, there wasn't anything about dolphins, but I keep hearing Posadas and dolphins being referenced.
0: I couldn't find anything either. Hmm. Because I, I, I know there is just...
4: There was, Sorry. like... There was like really dumb research done with like dolphins, like in the 50s and 60s, involving yeah, there was, like um, LSD. There was like a woman who basically like took care of dolphins for the government and it it was a weird experience overall. For...
2: Yeah, there was that guy, John Lilly, who's kind of a drug culture um, legend who um, would do ketamine and PCP and communicate with dolphins. I mean yeah. that's
4: new agers basically have an obsession with dolphins.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, they're extremely intelligent. I mean, I think the UN recognized them as non-human persons. Like what? They they uh do- dolphins have a, a like some kind of language structure where they name children. They they name their dolphin children after things in the water. Like um there was uh, some kind of scientific experiment where dolphins um, were using, like, a word for coral out of context in a way that, that the sci- confused the scientists. Uh, but they noticed, oh, shit, that one little dolphin responds to it. So they realized, oh, shit, the dolphin's named coral, like, or some, something along those lines. Like, uh, dolphins are, just, are really strangely intelligent, and so people that are looking for some kind of synthesis of uh Scientific kind of Western, um, you know, ways of understanding the world, and you know, it was more kind of, <laughs> also Western, but kind of Google Google goggle kind of like post New Left New Age kind Friend. of uh, dawning of the age of Aquarius kind of thing, um, you know, dolphins, dolphins. I mean,
1: to, <laughs> to be fair to the Posadists, uh, at very least the Colombian section of the Posadist International denies. That they believe in human dolphin communication.
3: Let that record show that the Columbia section yeah. denies I, 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 I hope they didn't split over that. <laughs> so, somebody somewhere split over human dolphin hey, communication. Don't you put it where. past
1: the Trotskyist to split over human dolphin t- communication.
0: So also to answer the question of like who the who the Posadas aliens would talk to, uh, Posadas has an answer to it. Us. We must appeal to the beings on other planets when they come here, to intervene and collaborate with Earth's inhabitants in suppressing poverty. We must make this call to them. It is possible to make ourselves understood to them. We must not, of course, expect that they will understand immediately, but we must make appeals to them, if we believe they can indeed exist. If we have any possibility of making contact with them. We must not fall into individual scientific curiosity out of some desire to see where they come from or to visit other planets. We must unite with them. They who seem more powerful than human beings, such that they will come to help us with resolve earth's problems. Um, So yeah, the idea is we should, you know, if they, we should try to contact them somehow. And if they, and appeal to their sense of, I guess, interplanetary internationalism or whatever, and uh, use that as a way to, uh, or you know, get to communism if that's a that's a potential avenue, and uh, you know, like the workers' movement is in tough shape. If like that's one of you, that's one of the cards in your deck.
3: Oh yeah. Well, the, the, what's the what is the common factor in looking to aliens for communism and looking to dolphins for communism? It is God, any intelligence, but humanity. Like same with machines, really, or Gaia, or anything else, or even capital to some extent. Right. It's all an attempt to turn away from humanity being like, look, humanity is not going to solve its problems. <laughs> I think that's underlying a lot of the the look towards non-human subjects. I alienation. Now, I get it now. It might say alienation.
1: It was Marx's secret code. He knew.
3: Yeah. So
2: does anyone know about these claims that Posadas was tortured in the Argentina D- Dirty Wars? Because there's a certain Devrim who makes this claim and he gets really mad when people joke about Posadas. But apparently there isn't really any evidence that he was actually tortured other than what this one guy says. Of
1: course, Devrim, October 2010, Rev
0: Left. Who uh what what years were the uh Argentinian dirty war? Does anybody know offhand? Um
2: hold on it's um 74 to 83.
0: Well, if that's the case then no it doesn't make a difference cuz he was talking yeah. about this shit in 1968. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's
2: 1967.
0: Yeah. So, okay, yeah, maybe that's probably uh that probably has no bearing on it then, I mean.
2: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I,
0: it's I should, it's, I it's a bit, bit more cinematic,
4: this. you know. The idea that he was tortured into insanity seems a little bit better than, you know, just slowly
0: becoming senile and insane over time. But this isn't, like, this isn't insanity. I mean, like, obviously this is kooky, and that's why it's interesting to look at and talk I about, mean, but he's not, this isn't crazy. I, like, I've heard I've heard crazier from people, you know, sitting in a circle smoking weed with hippies, like, you know, this have heard much crazier shit than this. I am mean, of
4: course I'm using the word loosely, but whatever. No.
2: <clears throat> yeah there is kind of an attempt to make a, a materialist sort of argument for why this shit is legitimate it's, even if it does kind of rely on some metaphysical dialectical hand-wringing but
3: well i think i think maybe that kind of brings up something about what's going on here is that the way that posadas is approaching the topic i, I, I don't know there's a quote that says i don't know it it <laughs> Here, check it out. We admit to the existence of extraterrestrials as a conclusion of dialectical thought. The latter fills us with the certainty that we can master any existing phenomenon and we shall not be caught off guard. Matters of extraterrestrials and flying saucers do not put the dialectical method in any doubt whatsoever. Indeed, they confirm it. The dialectical method gets reconfirmed at every turn. Um, like there's There's something weird about the dialectical method, this this inability to distinguish between uh, in general, between like nature and culture, or this insistence that it's in such a me- like a metabolic interaction that they' and or at, at the very least, there's a sociological kind of knowledge problem that makes them um, basically fundamentally like equal in some way. That I mean, I think as you know, we start hitting ecological like limits. I'm not saying that social organization has no place there, but there, you know, I think there's just a like a limit to the case that can be made there. And um,
2: like the idea that man has kind of this unlimited ability to dominate nature and master nature.
3: Look, look at look at the the assumption that you. Know, I, I'm not the assumption, but the sort of like you know dreamy speculation that human beings will o- overcome the need to eat. I mean, I, I think I think there's like some interesting things going on here, like you know the the claim that maybe in the future human beings will be able to reproduce just themselves, you know, like <laughs> um, and and not have to do bonding in any way, which you know to some degree is is, is possible. Like, um, I'm all
2: for the baby vat future.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm absolutely for that, and I think. Honestly,
4: honestly, that sounds like the most intense version of Silicon Valley ideology I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> you don't need to eat, you don't need to bond with people, just program all day, chug some soil, and then just, whenever you need another <laughs> person to help you, you just create it. You just split yourself in half, and you become another person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. under under Musk is working on that somewhere. Is that there's the soylent lever that you pull instead of your lunch break?
3: Yeah, I I think the the revived interest in Posadism is to a certain degree self consciously about the apocalypticism and the fatalism that is underlying the structures of a lot of like left ideology, which is what the whole slogan, you know, you may already be a passatist is about. And I think there's a way of post-ironically looking at this and not really being critical enough of this. But I think what we really need to see here is, and I made a little bit of a gesture towards it earlier, it's the continuity between the dialectical structure of the new left and the dianetical structure <laughs> of, of the new age uh, that comes afterward and the sort of, this is something that struck me in general when I moved to the Bay area. And I was really, s- because I was moving away from a place where there were still some conservative traditions that, that held the ground and were dominant. And so I came out here, I moved to Berkeley, California and was smacked with uh, cults and like the left, but you know, some, sometimes there's leftist cults and there's also these kind of weird a quasi-religious societies or whatever you know what i mean like that's not something i was used to and seeing those two things out here at the same time yeah. they compared themselves in a sort of you know real abstraction kind of way
0: yeah what do what do people make of kind of because i mean you know part of what revived uh you know my interest in this was a series of memes going around primarily from a group called uh intergalactic workers league posadaist um And I think they actually had like a forum at left panel or a panel at left forum, yep, that just happened I think yesterday or today or something like that.
2: I think it happened today actually yeah, yeah. as of this recording
0: Anyone um, can get a panel there though true, well, true, but I mean so, they, somebody anyone. somebody bothered to leave the house and put a panel together for this, you know what I mean like it's uh yeah. somebody even as, even as a...
1: panels at left Forum this year.
0: Reject one yeah. like a uh, transphobic yeah. one, and then uh, one that was a kind of borderline or Holocaust denial or some shit like that.
3: Oh, it was some nine eleven 11 truth stuff.
0: But we got uh. in the
3: aliens. Yeah, that's yeah. fine with me.
1: I'm happy about it too. Somebody from Red Party was on that panel.
3: That's right.
2: Yeah, I think. Um, Posadaism is. It's goofy, but it's, it's kind of harmless as an ideology, you know? It's not gonna, I don't know. Maybe there is a kind of this millenarian fatalism to it, but it's no different than, as someone said earlier, the kind of millenarian reliance on mass strike or becoming revolutionary period, you know? It's, you might yeah. as well, might as well hope I mean, for aliens to come if that's what you're hoping is gonna be what triggers a revolution. Like, you might as well hope for, you know, saucers from Mars. <laughs>
3: But the the yeah, thing about this the
1: revolutionary
3: subject try a different species. Well, yeah, the thing about uh, positivism is the self undermining scientisticness of it, that that bears the resemblance to New Agey scientisticness. And I hope you know what I mean by scientism. Scientisticness is like not like yeah like, yeah like
0: I fucking like, love science. It, I fucking yeah, I love science.
3: I, I love sort I of love positivism, a sort of Soviet state ideology. It was very much in this vein. That
0: science of
3: Dianetics. Yeah, I think think one could make a sort of, you know, analytical Marxist like uh, jump off from this sort of uh, statement that, you know, the existence of UFOs and aliens is is a conclusion of dialectics. I'm not saying that this is actually a a good representation of dialectics, but I think it's a good representation of where uh, dialectics, so called, tends to go the kind of things that it can defend like and part of the problematic culty epistemological structure of the left it's this is an endemic problem and the fact that a, a, a major a major you know leftist oppositional faction could take ufos as seriously as it did is kind of you know it reflects this epistemological problem
4: well I mean, if you want to take this sort of stuff seriously for a moment, I mean, I think this was already pointed out, but it's basically like a replacing of the revolutionary
0: subject with like aliens and is it though? Aliens? Because it seems more like the idea is like the revolutionary subject should appeal to the aliens to intercede to make up for its own impotence.
3: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. more it's more like calling calling in the French to help us beat the British, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. yeah but it's, it's still kind of a, uh, you know, a it's, still, it's the working class as a subject. You know, the yeah. working class it's, on their own won't be able to do this. You're going to need to have to call for help from aliens to do it. Yeah, I mean, well,
1: within the context they may of the exist. thoughtist ideology, there is a certain, as we were talking about, intergalacticism that that doesn't abandon the revolutionary subject of the proletariat. But in actuality, I think the, if one were to well, wait for aliens, it would be similar in practice. Well,
4: no, he, he height. And like the beginning, he talks about like the possibility of aliens, not even having like class-based societies from the get go. So it's like, you know, it's basically like we're going to get communism already given to us by these aliens from above. Rather well,
1: than, my, my point here is that that it, regardless of whether they, internal to the ideology, they have this class society or this classless society or they're, they could be in the internal ideology of Posadism, all factory workers, right? But what matters is you're waiting for the mass strike, you're waiting for the coming insurrection, etc.,
0: well, what's interesting is, I mean, I don't know. what we're talking about Posadaism, we're kind of more talking about Posadaism as, as like a meme because like historical actual Posadaism was probably more just concerned with like boilerplate Trotskyism and like a weird, uh, weirdly rosy uh, perspective about nuclear war. I mean, the alien stuff kind of seems, you know, overall to be kind of secondary Uh, like of secondary consideration that's certainly important the impression that i got reading this piece was like okay these things they haven't invaded us so they must be peaceful they're just here to observe so they're probably peaceful society if we could somehow contact them and appeal them to intercede on our behalf that great if not well i guess you know we'll wait for the nukes to take care of the situation
1: (laughs) and the nukes (laughs) occupy the same sort of role that we're critiquing
0: yeah the nukes probably actually fit that role within like actually historical Posadaism better than the aliens although in this one they call for it's. i mean this guy just seemed honestly this guy seemed sort of like a he just went one way and the other because he also here suggests that the nukes need to be suppressed so i mean i don't know how could this, this in some ways this is kind of like the ramblings of a dude who maybe like to hear himself talk a little too much um i don't know mm. um let's see did anyone have any other thoughts on this or that's kind of, I think we've kind of, you, you Lexi kind of touched on what the last section really goes through. Um, you know, it gets into kind of more transhumanist ideas of, you know, how we would, how civilization could advance to like higher and higher levels and yeah, you know how that, yeah. So, I mean, it's all, that's kind of what that whole section is about. Um, i actually thought
3: there's a couple valuable insights you know the thing is is that like uh okay so a person scientifically equipped so (laughs) with hardly any previous knowledge or preparation a person scientifically equipped with marxism and the dialectics can tackle any problem in any specialty okay i think this is patently false for reasons demonstrated by this pamphlet well Uh, this is too.
1: There are <laughs> that believe the big bang theory is inconsistent with dialectics and therefore it didn't happen. Honestly, I had a, I note. had
3: a, I had a community college uh, trot uh, uh, philosophy professor teach that, teach that, teach anti-During, teach that the, that the big bang was, was idealist, which actually the big bang was this, like, from what I understand, this Aristotelian, like shibboleth that was thrown off when early Christianity took hold of of Roman philosophy and I believe was reinstated in medieval uh, like uh, the, the Islamic Golden Age and I think uh, I think I think Christianity doesn't like it but I, I I'm spotty on medieval Christian philosophy but anyway it's like a long-term shibboleth that like Aristotelian shibboleth that angles is you know, present presenting that you know the universe must be eternal you know what i mean like and he's and he's presenting the big bang which is actually the result is like uh, not not you know the community of the
1: universe doesn't necessarily hinge on the big bang because there's so many different interpretations of what exactly that means even sort of cyclical ones but it's funny that Engels would sort of bring that up as a as something to beat with a stick in in that, and it would sort of have a become the scientific consensus, and then be denounced as undialectical by Stalinists and so on as,
3: but Trotskyists too.
1: Yes, that too. Them too.
3: Like that, that. That's I. I think the
1: the the abuse of the word dialectics we've seen a lot of from many camps on the left in recent times
3: well i, I feel like abuse of the word dialectics is built in the marxist philosophy and let me explain dialectics is meant to describe um the progression of ideas and um there's there is like a coherent like kind of hegelian way of looking at dialectics you know and looking at the logic of ideas as as what as you look back on them and see how things kind of unfold cool um, but when you try to apply that to matter you'll find that it doesn't apply in a straightforward way and what i was really getting at when i was looking at his kind of almost like abolition of gender kind of conclusions is that despite the fact that this dialog this dialectical shit doesn't make sense with matter some of the conclusions that people come up with are quite fascinating and really worth investigating on a on a more serious intellectual basis and and the the conclusions of dialectical thought are worth uh, considering and you know you kind of wonder how people got there and but shouldn't be defended purely in dialectical terms because you might end up with positivism.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't want to make this into a whole argument with dialectics. But I always spot that if you have to use the word dialectical, you're probably not using dialectics right. Essentially,
1: <laughs> yes, a good rule of thumb. Called something dialectical <laughs> or undialectical, you're you're getting away from what you're really saying
0: in a lot of cases. I, uh... In online arguments I've never seen that used correct. You know what I mean? Like I've I've only ever seen it used as a way to like, well you don't understand why the things I'm saying that don't make sense make sense.
1: We need to support you know, the yeah. sun and if you yeah. don't agree you're undialectical. Yeah, yeah so just, why uh, do you,
3: why do you think that is? Why why do you think no nobody ever uses dialectics well? Like I think there's a problem with trying to apply the the dialectic to material it, like to material reality in a straightforward sense. Like and i'm right. not saying i'm not saying that there isn't some kind of important thing about perception the way that consciousness mediates our are looking into the world like i think that stuff is actually very important and it is like uh there is something dialectical about it and even some of the conclusions about you know polar reality and you know quantity into quality like there are some a lot of the things that is, that are considered dialectics of nature end up um Are like proto-complexity theory and there's actually I was about to say like
2: dialectics is kind of just an early like prototype to systems theory in my understanding
3: right and and that's the fruit of dialectical materialism or materialist dialectics we don't need to rigorously apply 19th century German metaphysics in order to achieve that like what they're getting at there like we can leave dialectics where it belongs, which is in like a sort of, you know, phenomenology of like idealist logic or something, which is kind of useful in its own philosophical way.
2: So I'm actually, well, I've been thinking, so UFOs really didn't start becoming a thing until the 1950s and 60s. Mm -hmm. And it really was something that, didn't have an explanation it really was like today people say that oh it was a it, it, there's a kind of consensus that ufos are explained by secret um, government operations and stuff but um like military um test pilots and stuff but it's back in the 50s and 60s it really wasn't like an explanation for this stuff And so if you're a materialist and you're trying to understand the phenomena that are happening around you in the world, UFOs were and are a real phenomena. There are unidentified flying objects. And so how you grapple with that scientifically is very difficult period. So I think that the nature of the subject itself kind of lends itself to mysticism because... It's just yeah, it's something you can't scientifically prove or observe because it's just kind of this random, weird phenomenon that happened. Well, it's,
0: it's, it's it's since come out, too, at times, like, the government in the United States subtly encouraged UFO speculation because it provided, you know, some public cover for, you know, actual, you know, military experiments that they were doing with, like, new technology. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, like, there's, you know, there's a good reason for them. There they are, you know, good incentives for them to keep things in the you know the' the whole thing the real conspiracy is the government's plan to make up conspiracies, you know <laughs> pure ideology yeah yeah um, well, that's a thing too like I sort of real I eventually kind of realized that you know the UFO alien stuff was bullshit when I just kind of did the math and figured like, well, if they had the technology to get here, like why would they why would they why would we see them you know?
3: Or, or how could they get suppressed? Like, like when I look at UFO stuff, I kind of feel like it was sort of the post-war kind of, like, settlements way of dealing with, I don't know, hopes of, like, a deferred future, like something maybe more progressive, you know, than, yeah. you know, McCarthyism. <laughs> and we're back to Roddenberry. Yeah. And I, I feel like... um the idea that you know the aliens are out there, they're they're here to bring a more advanced civilization, but the government is suppressing our ability to get there, which is reflected in the Posadas text. T- text is like, look, imagine all the things that science could do if it wasn't restricted by uh, bourgeois chains.
0: Like, well, that's like I, a that, that's like a trope, you know, in the X Files. You know, like Mulder is almost like kind of like trying to recapture like the dream of like. You know kennedy like space age america and like technological progress and so forth that's they become like stifled into kind of like this creeping like neoliberal like cynicism right and so yeah. like his, his obsession with like the occult and like these obsession with extraterrestrials even if they may be like sinister things is almost like a longing for a world of greater possibility than the kind of banal 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 nature of you know late capitalist society
3: yeah there's an episode of the x-files where Mulder is watching carl sagan speak about aliens and he's crying he's crying Mulder's a great character because he's kind of unhinged you know he's a real a true believer and and he's you know deeply emotionally engaged in the you know the struggle for humanity to kind of like <laughs> reach out and, and find you know touch the outer limits and meet aliens and shit like it's a really interesting i don't know interesting character it's interesting sort of communist potential there.
2: Yeah, it kind of relates to kind of the Promethean side of Marxism where we want to um, achieve the full potential of human knowledge and um, creativity.
0: That's it for this week. If you want to write to us, you can get a hold of us at swampsidechats at gmail dot com. If you want to support the show You can like our Facebook page or leave us a review on iTunes. So until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, your eyes away from the swamp gas, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow.